cliffcentral.com. So I want to tell you about something. You know, we're all we're all talking about what we're going through in you know, the year of COVID and all that stuff and it's now been just over a year. Uh but what is it like to be on the ground and and working to reduce the impact of of COVID-19 especially in places where there isn't a lot of of assistance. Now there's someone called Molly Bernstein and another person called Sita Kachiope, and they know this very well. They're from something called Israel, which is an international non-governmental humanitarian aid organization. They're based in Israel, and one of their massive tasks is a vaccine program in our neighbor uh, country, Iswatini, right? I'm going to find out from them. We've got Molly and we've got uh, Sita here. Hey, Molly. Hey, Sita. How are you guys? Morning, Hi, fine, thank you. Great, great. Good to see you both. Uh, Sita, I hope I got your, your surname right. Uh, Cacciope, right? It is. I'm, I'm actually from Australia, so I kind of pronounce it with the Australian accent, but it's very close. How, so do, you, no how do you do it in, in an Australian accent? Go on. Cassiope. Cassiope is fine. <laughs> Cassiope is good. So, Molly, uh, thanks very much for joining us, guys. First of all, tell us about Israel. It's I-S-R-A and then A-I-D. Uh, you guys are obviously one of these great organizations that does all this incredible work, and nobody ever hears about you until they're involved. Um, and the whole, of, the whole of Eswatini, basically, owe you guys some thanks for, for starting their vaccine program. It probably wouldn't have any vaccinations in, in uh, Swaziland, Eswatini, if it wasn't for you guys. How did this all begin, Molly? So um, the, the Ministry of Health in Eswatini approached us um, in collaboration with the Kirsch Foundation mm-hmm. and invited us to come take a look and see how we can support um, with their vaccine rollout. Um, they are receiving vaccines through other sources, um, but basically the, the rollout, as we all have experienced in our various countries, is, is very complex. Um, and we have a lot of experience in, in this aspect, uh, from, from, you know, the successful story here in Israel. Um, so we are invited to come work with the Ministry of Health and help provide any support that we can, any input that we can to help make sure that it's really successful and, um, and gets to all the right spots. I think this is so great because we, we know that during COVID-19, um, the, the, the disease claimed the lives of, of several of their leaders, including the prime minister, actually, uh, Ambrose Dlamini, who, who um, was, was unfortunately, he succumbed to COVID-19 too. Got the highest COVID-19 death rates in Africa, highest HIV prevalence in the world. So this country needs all the help it can get. And the fact that you guys are involved is just terrific. Now, I don't think a lot of people know about this, and that's not why you do it, obviously. But when when it comes to trying to roll out a massive program like this, CETA, what does that, that involve? I mean, what kind of logistics are at play here? It's huge. I mean, it's massive. We're looking at different types of vaccines coming in that require different types of cold chain maintenance. Um, and especially with the deep freeze ones, we're looking at cryopreserve and we're looking at getting them out to communities in time so that they're not wasted. Um, on top of that, uh, we don't know which vaccines are coming in at which time. And so we also need to prepare the teams, train the teams if possible, and to support them, particularly with the, with the cold chain. Um, the logistics around that is, is enormous. Um, and we also need to consider the fact that, 
you know, there's a limited number of vaccines coming. Um, and so we don't want to waste any. So it's that fine balance between making sure, you know, people are coming for the vaccines, they're aware of the vaccines um, and where they're going to be on the day, as well as not um, and, and then getting them, but not wasting any doses at the same time. So there's a very fine balance between between both of those aspects. How how is that rollout going at the moment? It's a it's a lot of people that you have to reach in sometimes very far flung corners of the country. And you know, Swatini does not have a, a great road system in in certain parts of the country. It's very hard to get to these villages and so on. Um, how's the rollout actually looking at the moment? So at the moment they are they are they are vaccinating. Um, they're calling it phase one. Um, phase one is going really well. Um, they're about to complete the the vaccinations of their frontline workers, um, as well as moving into their over 60s with comorbidities. So it is happening, and they're doing a fantastic job of it. Our plan is to get there as quickly as we can, um, and to support the next phase of that rollout. Um, and we're identify key areas where we can sort of specialise and bring in our specialties to support that, which, you know, includes data, data collection, um, again, like I said, the cold chain side of things, Mm -hmm. um, as well as really closely monitoring the micro-planning of it. And Molly? I think think one thing to add and and remember there is also that um, exactly what you just explained in terms of the country's history um, with HIV and the and the past experience it has in in dealing with crisis mm. is actually a huge um, uh, a huge asset in this situation mm. because the, the the local system already has a lot of capacity to reach out to these very rural situations and, and make sure people get tested for HIV and get on antiviral treatments um, and that's a lot of the way that uh, that that you know we approach this work and that and that um, and that we really see Eswatini is that actually. There's a lot of potential to be really successful because they've already overcome so much, um, you know, so, so many challenges. And that means that we can really sort of look at those past successes and, and you know, in, in the same in the same breath as that they have the, the highest HIV prevalence in the world. They've also been incredibly successful in terms of uh, both stymieing the, the, the spread of it, but also mm. in terms of ensuring that over 90 percent of people are on treatments and are, are, are uh, regularly seeking therapies. Um, and that really. Uh, there's a lot that can be actually leveraged and, and sort of used towards this um, uh, towards this goal as well when we look at that wider picture of everything that's help, happening right. in this public health it's almost, situation. It's, it's, it's like you've got the, the, the pipeline already. Um, sorry, there we go. Uh, it's like you've got the pipeline already organized. It's it's really incredible. <laughs> so let's just talk for a second about Israel and, and you guys also focus on the mental health and the resilience of the country's frontline workers, which is, I, su- I suppose, a, a very important part of this too, because uh, some of those people may be exhausted. They may have been working nonstop to try and, and do whatever they could to deliver uh, vaccines and care to people who are already suffering. So obviously, um, Israel is, is very involved in, in basically saving Eswatini from, from this disease, because otherwise they would have had very little to help them combat it. But you're not only involved there, you're involved in 16 countries just with respect to the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, so we've been, uh, we've been responding all over the world over the, over the last year. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we really, we, we try to be wherever we can and provide any support that we can. Um, so we're across the, the region in Africa. We're in South Sudan. We're in Uganda. We're in wow. Uganda, in Kenya, we're in Mozambique. Um, and in all of these locations and in all of our other uh, missions around the world, it's about sort of 
figuring out, again, which systems can be leveraged, right? What already exists and how can that be a boost in responding? And then also sort of adding these 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 plugins that, that provide additional support. Um, uh, so, for example, in Mozambique, a huge a huge successful program that we've been doing over the last year is exactly in this mental health and psychosocial support um, uh, sector is um, getting on radio shows is, is leveraging the media and the, and the way that um, the infrastructure that already exists in terms of how people communicate with one another to provide uh, uh, mental health and stress relief messaging and activities that can be done wow. at home with children to, to make sure that, you know, that that's also being addressed. Um, and that's, that's sort of the approach that we, that we're, that we're, you know, trying to replicate and adapt in all of our different contexts is to really, uh, see what the gaps are, see what can be leveraged and run with it. And Sita, I believe you, you're actually a nurse, um, originally. Oh. You, that's what you, you studied oh. nursing and, and that's what you did for a while. So you've spent a lot of time in the, the medical world. And obviously you, you, your main in, emphasis now and your main work is involved in, you know, the healthcare sector. So this must be quite rewarding work for you. How, how big is Israel, um, Molly? Can you give us some idea of, of kind of where you guys uh, come from what the, the, the reason is that, that Israel might be involved in places as bizarre as South Sudan, Mozambique. You know, these are, these are not, you wouldn't think of this. And, you know, Israel gets a really hard rap from a lot of places all over the world. And there are lots of people who are not particularly kind towards Israel for various reasons. They don't like their, their internal policies or their foreign policies or whatever. But here's Israel doing more than any of those countries that, Governments like South Africa say nice things about. Um, where does it come from? What what started Israel and and what it's since two thousand and one or something? Yeah, so we've been around since two thousand and one. Um, we have missions all over the world. We have some four hundred staff all over the all over the globe, and most of our teams in every given location are made up of locals um, who've been working with us as you know in in some kind of role, whether it's as a trained professional or as a community worker who does you know sort of outreach pieces mm. um and uh and since 2001 we've been using these you know these different models many of which are are sort of rooted in in a very israeli approach to to, to how we see the world right is um israel we have a, a, a water problem we have we you know we don't have enough water in the country and we've had because because of that we have an amazing water technologies to manage and um, and increase sort of water access. So those are things that we can bring to other people. In that same respect, we're a country with um, with a lot of uh, with a, with a lot of trauma, with a lot of sort of uh, difficult experiences um, uh, all across. You know, the whole swath of the population faces different um, uh, diff- different challenges depending on their experience. And because of that, we have a lot of uh, you know post traumatic stress disorder treatments. A lot of the a lot of sort of the cutting edge of of, um, of, of that work is, is happening in Israel. Uh, so again, great. Like that's something we can share. That's something we can bring to other locations. Um, and that's sort of what we do in all these places. No, I think it's really, and I think, it's incredible. Sorry, yeah. I was just going to say as well, just to add the, the global health and public health side of that into it as well. I mean, COVID's changed the face of public health. It mm. really has. And I think over the last 12, 18 months, we've seen that more and more. And it's trying to pivot our activities in the health sector to, to make sure that people still have access to health care um, where they can. And even if that's remotely, um, we need to do what we can for them to access it. Yeah, I think that's really important. But I think the, the whole the whole 
idea of of Israel coming to to help out in places like Swatini right next door to us is is just incredible. I believe Molly that uh, you've spent quite a lot of time all over the world. You actually speak what Persian and Arabic as well, so you uh, you're by no means just uh, some some localized uh, Israeli. You you you've seen a lot of the world. Um, have have you either of you been to Swatini? Do you, do you know much about the country firsthand, or, or are you dealing with people there every day who tell you about things? Yeah, so we just got back. We came back for the the Passover holiday, and we had an election in in Israel. So we wanted to get back to 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 vote and to be with our families for the first holiday out of lockdown. So wow. that was uh, very exciting. And uh, and now we're heading back. Um, so that's that's sort of the the plan. We just popped back to Israel sure. for for that for that you know that, that quick uh, return, and and we'll be back on the ground very very soon. And Israel's such a success story when it comes to COVID. I mean, things are pretty much back to normal there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not far off. And I think that that is one thing that we've got is just how fast, how quickly and how accurately the, the, the vaccine rollout was. And so we're trying to leverage as much as we can on that experience. We're bringing in specialists that have worked within the vaccine campaign here to Eswatini to support the Ministry of Health support other actors, international and local working on the ground and to, and to bring all of that experience to them if we can. Well, keep doing it. Wow. We, we feel super, super lucky and, um, to, to, to have been where we were during this, during this crisis and to be really among the first communities to be vaccinated and back to normal life. And we really just, we want everyone to have that opportunity. We want everyone to, to get that, you know, to get sort of the, the rush of relief that comes with the first and, and the second jab. If, if the second one happens for you, depending on which, uh, which type a vaccine you get. And, you know, just, just a couple of weeks ago when we were standing with the minister of health herself and Eswatini after she got her first job, you know, that's exactly what we were talking about is wow. she, and she called it an injection of hope, right? Which was quite poetic, <laughs> um, but it's really an emotional moment. And we want everyone to get that emotional moment. We want everyone wow. to have access to vaccines and access to information, access to public health. And that's what this is all about. Well, I'm going to say it again. Keep doing the, the really great work that you're doing. And thank God that there are organizations like yours that are going around the world and helping out in places where we really need all the help we can get. Um, I, I almost wish Israel was in charge of uh, distributing vaccines in South Africa. We might all be vaccinated by now. It sounds like you're the most efficient people to get. So keep doing it. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you so much, Sita. Good to see you both. Thank, thank you, you so much. Us. Have a good day. And you, very, very good. There's um, Molly Bernstein and uh, Sita uh, Cassiope, she says. She's the head of health and medical sector at Israel, and uh, Molly's the development and communications manager.